Hi, and welcome to the Burning Ones podcast. Our desire is to see people all around the world burn for one name, Jesus. We pray that you experience the love and power of Him through this journey. Thank you for joining us, and may burning witnesses arise. As you jump into Daniel, you realize very quickly um, that dreams are going to have a profound impact on the way that the story is going to go as you continue to turn the pages and flip through the chapters. In chapter two, you find out that Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. Nebuchadnezzar is king. They're in Babylon. They're the people of the Chaldeans. Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. He gets his crew, his wise men, his divination team, all the sorcerers, everybody that's a part of this wise men squad that he has. And in chapter two, he looks at them and he tells them, "Um, I want someone among you to tell me the dream that I had and then to give me the interpretation. They're like, hey man, listen, um, your request is crazy. Nobody's ever asked for what you're asking for. You tell us the dream, we'll give you the interpretation. That's how it goes. Nebuchadnezzar says, you guys are lying. I know that if I tell you the dream, you're all trying to collude together um, in order to deceive me. My stance is firm. Tell me the dream and the interpretation, or everybody's going to die. That's the terms. Daniel catches wind. He's like, man, why is the king so bent out of shape? Why is everything so urgent? He tells him, listen, he's already set the terms. He doesn't really want to hear it. In chapter two, it says, Daniel replied with discretion. This is verse 14 to Arioch, the captain of the king's bodyguard, who had gone forth to slay the wise men. And he said to Arioch, the king's commander, for what reason is the decree of the king so urgent? Again, like, why is he so bent out of shape? Like, what did somebody do? Why do we all have to die? Like, somebody fill me in. And Arioch informed Daniel about the matter. So Daniel went in and requested of the king that he would give him time in order that he might declare the interpretation to the king. And then Daniel went to his house and he informed his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah about the matter. He went to go fill in his guise. Listen, man, things are serious. This is what's going on, but this is his response. So that they might request compassion from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that Daniel and his friends would not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. This is a pretty incredible situation. Like as the story is unfolding, um, in some cases, uh, you know, Paul says in first Corinthians two, like the things of the spirit are pure foolishness to the fleshly man, to the carnal mind, to the worldly way of thinking, to think that, you could stand next to somebody and tell them, hey, listen, this is what your dream was last night, and this is the interpretation, meaning this is what God is saying to you. But Daniel went home, he got with his friends, and he said, listen, there's nothing else that we can do. We're just going to ask the Lord. We're going to ask him for compassion and to reveal this mystery to us. And in verse 19, Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. Um, So Daniel and his friends went to the house. They went to sleep. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. 
And then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. And Daniel said, let the name of God be blessed forever and ever. For wisdom and power belong to him. It is he who changes the times and the epochs. He removes kings and establishes kings. He gives wisdom to wise men and knowledge to men of understanding. It is he who reveals the profound and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and the light dwells with him. It is to you, O God of my fathers, that I give thanks and praise for you have given me wisdom and power. And even now you have made known to me what we have requested of you. For you have made known to us the king's matter. This is the beginning of what we find of Daniel's life, really, um, where revelation seems to abound in a real beautiful way. Daniel comes back to Nebuchadnezzar. He gives him the interpretation of the dream. We know that when you get again into chapter four, Nebuchadnezzar has another dream. In come Daniel again. As Daniel comes in, he gives him the interpretation to that dream. When you turn in, um, you get down to chapter seven. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel saw a dream and visions in his mind as he lay on his bed. Yeah. And then he wrote the dream down and related the following summary of it. The summary. So the details contained in chapter seven are not all necessarily of what Daniel saw and heard, but he's summarizing. He's giving the cliff notes. He's giving the reader's digest version. Uh, I just feel like I dated myself. Um, he's giving the reader's digest version. You're laughing because you're old too. He's giving the reader's <laughs> digest version. I'm not talking to you, even though if you're laughing, then I am talking to you. I'm talking to somebody who's in the room who is also laughing, um, but he's giving the reader's digest version um, of what it was that he saw in this dream and visions through the night as he was lying on his bed. Uh, the implications is in the night season, yeah. God comes in a revelatory way. Yeah. Uh, and for those of us who power, power nap during the day, uh, he comes in a revelatory way in power naps also. But God brings insights. Chapter two, chapter four, as you fast forward to chapter seven, right? Daniel's writing a summary of things that have been seen. As you flip forward to chapter eight, in the third year of the reign of Belshazzar, the king, I looked in the vision. He's talking about a vision appeared to me subsequent to the one which appeared to me previously. So there's almost like a connection point between two experiences that Daniel has had. He says in the first year of Belshazzar, now we're in the third year of Belshazzar. So there's consistency, there's a congruency or a harmony, if you would, of how God is systematically building things in the place of revelatory encounter. But Daniel is a steward. He's not just one who is getting wrapped up in experiences. He needs explanations. He is longing for yeah. insight. He is wrestling and jealously leaning in for information pertaining to the revelation that God is bringing his way. In the first year, there was a dream with visions. I saw things. I wrote a summary of it. In the third year, this is two years later, two years later, subsequent to the first one, I saw a connection point. There's more mysterious things that are being revealed to me. And listen in chapter eight, verse 15. And when I had seen the vision, I sought to understand it. Yeah. And behold, there stood before me one who looked like a man. But this is the point. L listen to what Daniel is saying. I've been having all of these experiences. 
I've been having these crazy dreams. Man, God's been visiting me in the night. My life is abounding with visions. There's all types of revelatory encounters. Man, I got angels coming to me. I got messengers appearing to me in dreams. There's all types of incredible stuff that God is revealing to me. And it seems mysterious. What, what does that mean? When he says, and I sought to understand it, um, let, let's just, let's make it real practical. That means he didn't understand what was going on. It's not a lack of maturity on Daniel's part for him to be honest and to say the reason that we have what is contained here in chapter eight is because Daniel is prophetically scribing his life. He is journaling. He is documenting. He is chronicling. Yeah. He is stewarding the secret place. And because he is stewarding the secret place well, we have the details to glean from and so that we can receive insights into and unto maturity in our own lives because of the way he was contending for maturity in his own life. Yeah. And he says, man, I got all this buck wild stuff going on. I know it's legitimate. I know it's the Lord. I know that he's speaking. There's all types of stuff that I'm seeing. There's things that I'm being apprehended by. God is gripping me in the secret place through the day, through the night. He is gripping me. But here in chapter eight, verse 15, he says, and I sought to understand it. Again, what does that mean? Um, that means he didn't really understand what was going on. And I think that there's a beautiful place even in our own maturing in these things, uh, because we're going to get into those things um, in our own maturing in these things where we can identify. I got a lot of stuff going on. Like, man, God is visiting me. But if I'm going to be honest, I don't really understand the things I'm seeing, mm -hmm. what I'm hearing. I don't understand the parables uh, because sometimes messengers come with messages and the messages are parabolic in nature. There's all types of uh, things that we see and things become figurative. Other things are literal. Uh, there's people and what do people mean? Is it literal? Is it the person? Is it what they embody? Is it the nature of their call? Is it what their name means? There's all types of riddles that we must be committed in the secret place because it is the glory of God yeah. to conceal a matter. But it's the glory of kings, and, and I love this translation, to search out or to investigate a matter thoroughly. Um, it's the glory of God to conceal a matter. But it's the glory of kings to search matters out, to commit ourselves to the process of investigation, to growing in the explorative nature, if you would, of diving deep into the things that seem mysterious. They seem clouded. They seem distant because we lack clarity. We lack real precision in our insight. We know that there are details and they're important, but because they haven't yet been unlocked, because we haven't been able to decode or decipher all of what seems to be bound up in riddles uh, at times, we can have plenty of experiences. Um, but Daniel is just not looking for experiences. Daniel is leaning in for explanations. And I feel like at times... Uh, this separates the crowd. Mm -hmm. um, I, I feel like at times this, this separates the crowd. And what I mean by that is 
uh, we know all types of folks and camps and whatnot that they build resumes on encounters and experiences. Um, they build resumes on camps and experiences. But there's not always necessarily the correlation of the meaning, the insights, what it is that God is actually saying and longing to do based out of the experiences that we are having. Again, messengers are beautiful, mm -hmm. but messengers serve a purpose. They bring messages. That's why they're called messengers. Paul to the Colossians is like, yo, don't get all wrapped up in angel worship. Listen, to the Galatians, even if an angel were to come to you and preach another gospel than the one that we have brought to you, may he be accursed. Messengers are important. Hebrews 1, are not my angels ministering spirits mm -hmm. sent to serve those that are inheriting salvation? Even at the end of Revelation, when John is seeing all that he's seeing, it's extraordinary. It's wonderful. It is beautiful beyond description. He is seeing things. And in his attempt to describe, he says it looked like, it sounded like. But towards the tail end, in Revelation 19, he drops to worship the messenger. And he says, no, 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 get up. Don't worship me. Worship him. Yeah. He's the one that's worthy. We worship him too. Yeah. Messengers are cool, but messengers serve a purpose. They bring messages. Mm -hmm. Even Gabriel, as he appeared to Daniel, right. Gabriel came to bring insight. He came to bring understanding. He said, from the minute you started praying, I know you've been having a lot of revelation. I know you've got a lot of things going on. I know that God has been speaking to you, but I've come to bring insight because he hears your request. He knows that you're not just getting wrapped up in a bunch of wild encounters and experiences, that your heart is not being satisfied in just knowing that there's a bunch of experiential stuff that's going on. He knows that you're contending for understanding. He knows that your heart is burning and longing for revelation so that you can realize the voice of God that is bound up in all of the experiences that God is bringing your way. And in verse 15, he says, when I had seen the vision, I sought to understand it. And immediately, then behold, standing before me was one who looked like a man. Um, as you continue, you find there's more messages. Chapter 10, another message that's revealed to him. Chapter 11, that there's this dream, this encounter that, that breaks him into another moment where Gabriel is there again. But, but this, is, this is the point. Psalm 16, 7 says, It is you, O Lord, that I give praise. Because you bring me wisdom or instructions in the night season. In the night season, right? This is Psalm 16, 7. David is writing, Lord, it is you that is worthy of praise. Because you bring me direction. You bring me instructions. You bring me the coordinates mm -hmm. for the GPS, so to speak. Because without your voice, I'd be lost. I have no idea where I'm really going. I don't really understand what I should be doing. 
but it's you that's worthy of praise because you bring me instructions in the night. Um, Job 33 says this. This is verse 13. 13, I will just read 13 to 18. Why do you complain against him that he does not give an account of all of his doings? Indeed, God speaks once or twice, yet no one notices it. In a dream, a vision of the night, when sound sleep falls on men and while they slumber in their beds, then he opens the ears of men and seals their instruction that he may turn man aside from his conduct and keep man from pride. Yeah, that's good. He keeps back his soul from the pit and his life from passing over into Sheol. Th these are some really amazing insights into God's nature and his desire to speak to us in the place of dreams. Um, now I will say, not all dreams are from the Lord. There are fleshly dreams. There are pizza dreams. Um, you know, there are, hey, I just ate way too much before I went to bed um, kind of dreams. Um, when I say fleshly dreams, I'm not associating that with pizza dreams or had too much to eat right before I went to bed dreams. Fleshly dreams meaning um, our own desires our own fleshly longings being projected into the place of seeing through the night where what it is that we desire is constantly bubbling up on the inside and what is bubbling up on the inside begins to be projected into the place of seeing and the experience through the night season. Um, that, that's what I mean. I mean, our desires, not necessarily God's desires. Uh, and we do have the ability to discern between the two. Um, but but I wanted Anna to hop in uh, because, I mean, really, all of us are dreamers. And when I say all of us, I mean all of us collectively as believers, right? Joel 2, I'll pour out my spirit in the last days. Old men dream dreams, young men see visions. Um, so I know that as we host the life of God on the inside, that we are all dreamers. But I think sometimes there's just so much, uh, let, let's say maybe we've been in a place where there's lack of teaching. Mm -hmm. Maybe we don't have um, at our disposal teachers to instruct us along the way. Maybe we don't have uh, a group of folks that we're walking with in an intimate way in order to disclose the things of our hearts, in order to share those um, let's say intimate revealings of the Lord, mm -hmm. um, because his coming to you is very precious. Yeah. Yeah. Um, his coming to you is very precious. Uh, and I get it. Jesus said, don't cast your pearls before swine. Um, because the reality of it is, is for whatever reason, um, some folks are just bent on being, uh, vision assassins. Um, they're just bent on destroying people's hopes and dreams. Um, and so you got to be careful at times who you share uh, yeah. things with. That's, that's actually what I was going to point out. You even opening with Daniel too. Like literally the phrase I heard as he was sharing was your friends matter. Because Daniel literally 
like left and went to inform the friends that God had given him and prior seasons that had been digging wells with him. Yeah. Um, so I just, that really like stuck out to me because I think at times we're bl blindly trying to walk out, um, you know, this walk with the Lord and how he speaks to us. And now I am like a hardcore dreamer, like dreams every night, like constantly having to discern, like, okay, is this from the Lord? Like, is this, um, so this is, this is what every morning with me and Anna Dow sounds like, right? This is, he doesn't listen to me the majority of the time. She's not refuting what I'm saying though. Right. So what I'm saying is true. She's not saying that what I'm about to say is false. No, this is, is what every morning, pretty much. every morning. And if that is in any way exaggeration, then 99.98% of the mornings. Sound like with me and Anna, babe, you're not going to believe it. I had this crazy dream last night. I'm like, really? You don't say that's every morning, but every morning it's like, it's fresh. no morning has ever happened. And that's what, like, even as we were singing the song, like you're more real than like to him and to me, like, it's a way I know the Lord speaks to me clearly. So it's like every single moment is real. Like every single moment is an encounter with his voice for me. And so I, I always have to weigh the dreams that I'm having. But literally, like, I feel like to go back to what you're saying, we're all dreamers. Like his word says that he comes to us in dreams and visions. So I don't feel like I've had many conversations with people that say, like, I'm not a dreamer. Like, I don't dream. And those same people, as you sit with them and they're sitting with someone who's a dreamer that's walked with other people who have dreamed and who have kind of have instruction now, this way to navigate, and you sit with them and they begin to expound your thinking, these people that you that look me in the eye and say, I don't dream at all, are now dreamers. Like they're having dreams. The Lord is instructing them. making. So it's like, I think we can't dismiss the voice of the Lord. Like it's, it's valuable. It's like, it doesn't matter what it is. If it's... And a sign that comes to your front door, if it's in a box that shows up at work, if it's in your children, if it's in your husband, if it's in the relationships you're around, however you are seeing him and discerning his voice is very important to pay attention to. Um, and, you know, I think the friends part is very important because Daniel left and went to his friends, informed them because he trusted them. Um, and then they had the ability to pray with Daniel and heaven heard to release an answer. And I, I find that's really important. Having people that you can trust with your dreams, for one, um, it's really important. And for two, people that will value the voice of the Lord in that way in order to bring this stewardship life out and the answers and the revelation that comes with it. So what's amazing is when you look at Daniel chapter one, right, the consideration of his friends their investment knowing that Daniel hears from the Lord a specific way. Mm -hmm. Because the idea would be if all four of them prayed, why did Daniel get the answer? But when you turn back to chapter one, we understand that as they entered into their Daniel fast, mm -hmm. right? 10 days, vegetable and water, the continuation, three years, vegetables and water, that at the conclusion, it says, and unto them, I think it's verses 17, 18, 19, at the conclusion... It says that unto all of them were given wisdom, mm -hmm. learning, insight, and understanding, but unto Daniel mm -hmm. was given the ability 
to interpret dreams and visions of all kinds. So it almost implies that there was a recognition, if you would, like a bearing witness. The man like the Lord really speaks to this guy Mm -hmm. through dreams. And he's given him the ability to interpret them. Uh, Because here we have, again, uh, not just the experiences. Uh, I think that we can lose sight of the goal and just get totally wound up in chasing all of the experiences, Hmm. chasing all of the encounters. And and encounters begin to abound. Experiences begin to abound. But we're not necessarily maturing. We're not maturing because we're not utilizing the opportunity in those experiences and encounters in order to do what Daniel did. And because I didn't understand, I began to look for understanding. Because I lacked real insight, I began to lean into the Lord and contend, God, you've got to speak to me. You've got to reveal to me. I need an explanation again, and not necessarily just an experience. But when you go back to chapter one, it says that Daniel, by the spirit, was imparted this gift to be able to interpret dreams and visions, a a knowing, an ability, a knowing from the Lord. And it's Mm -hmm. important because he was praying with a specific group of folks Mm -hmm. for an answer from the Lord and God answered. Uh, And this is, you know, just to add on to your point about, you know, it being necessary, uh, you know, Proverbs says in, in a multitude of counselors, there is wisdom. Right? In, a multi- in a multitude of counselors, there is wisdom. Um, they were leaning in together because they had history, because they had been fasting together, praying together, walking together in an intimate way. God had been doing something in their lives together, and they were contending with the Lord for an answer right. to their urgent circumstance. This wasn't like, hey, I've got six months to be able to figure this out. Obviously, the Lord understood the time crunch that they were in, the urgency of the hour, and God was faithful and spoke in order to give them real insight that helped them to navigate the moment that they were living in. And this is so important because there is a way that seems right to a man. And sometimes in the end, it leads to death. Um, I was going to turn to Genesis 15, but instead I'll turn to Matthew chapter one, because there's a way that seems right to a man. And again, we're talking about dreams. We're talking about navigating at times the complexity of our life and God's faithfulness to speak into the moments that we are living in to bring real insights so that we understand what to do based out of the place of encounter and all that's being revealed in the secret place. And sometimes we don't always get things right Mm -hmm. as much as we probably would like to believe that we do. Sometimes um, we can fast and pray and we can be wrong. Um, Sometimes we can know that we're having dreams and we can wrestle and come to a certain conclusion or think that we have a specific interpretation and we can be off. Mm -hmm. Um, Here is the beautiful thing. God is not bound to our interpretation. He is bound to his intentions. Yeah. Um, This is going to be a life changer for some of us. God is not bound to our interpretation. What do I mean? At times, 
based off of our lens, our perspective, based off of in different moments. And it's not because it's like we're wanting to be off. It's not like malicious. It's not like, hey, I'm out to get mine. But just based out of maybe not maturing into the place where we are accurately discerning the things that we're seeing, leaning into life and looking to navigate things. Sometimes our interpretation can just be off. It can just be off. And based off of our interpretation, we apply things in life. We start pursuing other things. We set things up. We start making moves. We get into action. Um, but based off of our interpretation, we've developed expectation. Right. Based off of our interpretation, we've developed expectation because we are living in light of things that we believe to be true. Again, not saying that it's like we're doing it and we know that we're off. We're living right. in light of things that we think are true based off of the conclusions that we've come to. And sometimes you can do it all right and you can just be wrong. Like you can, you can just be wrong. And this is what we find in Matthew chapter one, right? In Matthew chapter one, uh, 18 to 25, this is Mary and Joseph, right? Joseph is betrothed <laughs> to her. Um, that, that just means they're engaged. They're gonna get married. And all of a sudden, Mary comes up pregnant. And Joseph knows, right? This is like Maury Povich, <laughs> like Dr. Phil. And the DNA results reveal you're not the father. Um, it's going to turn into a Steve. Uh, never, never mind. Um, but Joseph realizes I'm not the dad. Uh, what I was going to say is Steve's going to run in like a Jerry Springer episode. Um But Joseph realizes I'm not the dad. But listen to what it says. It says in verse 19, and Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man mm -hmm. and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary yeah. as your wife for the child who's been conceived in her is of the Holy spirit and she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. Now verse 22. Now all of this took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. Verse 24, and Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife, yeah. but kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son and he called his name Jesus. Can, I mean, I think that's so profound in so many ways because like we are his righteous people. Like Joseph was a righteous man who lived by the laws, who obeyed but yet he got it wrong. Like you're saying, and like, you have to understand like what he was doing in that moment in customs in that day, he would have had to take her to the leaders and they would have stoned her to death. But because he was righteous, like he was just going to send her away, hmm. but the Lord's plan still had to prevail. And, and this is what I mean by at times we can think we're very right. Mm-hmm. In Joseph's own understanding of his righteousness, 
wanting to walk upright before the yeah. Lord, wanting to honor Mary, right? Right? Like his perspective hasn't been tainted with corruption. Mm-hmm. He feels that it's the right thing to do based off of the way that he is seeking to analyze his situation. But this is, again, a beautiful truth. Sometimes we can think that we are very right and we can come to our conclusions based off of all of what we believe to be the right processes. Hey, listen, I considered all of this. I laid out all the details. The facts are the facts. If I'm going to handle this in a godly way, this is the way that I would approach it. These are going to be my action steps. This is going to be how it's all going to unfold. But then he goes to sleep. And when he goes to sleep, God sends an angel and an angel comes to him in the dream and basically is like, Hey man, listen, you're about to mess up everything that God is doing. Listen, I know that you got your own way. I know that you've thought this through. I know that you think this is what's right. I know that your believed interpretation of the circumstances at hand are leading you to think that this is the way that it should be handled. But I've come to tell you, you're wrong. And don't mess this up. God is so in this. And I understand that it's confusing for you. I get it that you maybe don't understand how all of these pieces together are working towards a conclusion that God could be involved in, but God is in this. What she has birthed on the inside is from the Lord. And yes, it could be problematic to you. Yes, it's going to create tension. Yes, I know you thought you were right, but in a loving way, you're not right. Uh, In a loving way, you're wrong. And I'm going to show you the way that this should actually be walked out if you want to synchronize your life with God's desires. So there's moments where, man, we can really think that we're right. But God's faithfulness comes to him in a dream. And God reveals to him what it is that he is to do in a dream. And this isn't the only instance that you find it. As you continue tracking, um, you find that then Herod arises. Mm -hmm. As you turn into the next page, um, verse 13, it says, Now they had gone. Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, Mm -hmm. take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is going to search for the child to destroy him. Right Then when you jump down, verse 19, but when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, get up, take the child and his mother and go into the land of Israel for those who sought the child's life are dead. Uh, What is the point? The point is you see a beautiful ability from the Lord to bring in real time insights to real practical things that we are going through real practical things. Well, what all would God be interested in speaking to in a dream? Uh, Anything that you let him. Yeah. Anything that you let him. Uh, Jesus said it this way. I only do the things that I see. I don't think that that was some mysterious, like puzzle some kind of riddle that needs to be deciphered. Um, I think that he was literally saying, I know that my father speaks to me and he does it in a variety of ways. And he has the ability to show me things. Um, He reveals to me his desires, things that I'm to do, 
decisions that I'm to make, the way that I'm supposed to process life. He brings me real insight in real time, and it helps me to navigate all of what may seem uncertain and complex. He breaks it down in a very beautiful, simple way. Um, I, I think that it was incredibly literal. Um, and, and this is where, like, even in our life, mm-hmm. uh, there's been years of this. Um, and, and just to maybe, you know, bring some uh, encouragement, uh, there's been times in our lives mm-hmm. where we know that we've seen things in dreams, prayed and fasted, got to have insight. Felt like we had a specific leading based off of the way that we interpreted things. Um, And sometimes that's been wrong. Mm. And it's taken us months. But in a very loving, gracious way. The Lord has always circled back around with us. In a very loving and gracious way. I remember sitting in my office one day, praying about some decisions that we had made. Um, I had involved myself. I had taken a position somewhere. And I remember praying about it one morning and just being like, Lord, I don't understand what's going on. Like there doesn't seem to be any grace for this. It's not because I feel better than below then. It's not like I feel other than Uh, Lord, I I want to be diligent. I want to give my life to whatever it is that you're asking me to do. Um, But Lord, I really believe that this is what you said to do, but there's not the accompaniment, Mm -hmm. uh, right? Like first Corinthians six, one, um, Working together, 2 Corinthians 6, 1, working together with the grace of God. Yeah. I said, Lord, there's not the accompaniment of grace in this. And it's not because, um, you know, I just got tired of it or I just didn't want to do it. Uh, this was in a pure way. Like, Lord, there's no accompaniment of grace for this. But this is what you said to do. And I'll never forget. The Lord said to me that morning as I was praying, um, no, this is what you interpreted. I told you to do. And I was like. Um, I don't really like the way that sounds. Um, okay. Uh, time to pump the brakes. Um, because if you're saying this is what I interpreted, you were saying, then there's somewhere along the way, right? Now we got to go back. Now we got to go back through all the journals. We got to go back through all the conversations. We got to go back through all the moments, the dreams, the visitations, the visions, the times where we felt inspired. We got to go through all the times where maybe there was an intersection uh, with a prophet or a prophecy and there was a word that was delivered. We got to go back through all of what we know is bound up in the treasure chest based off of the history of experience and encounter. And we've got to pull all the pieces back out, throw them all out on the table again and try to rework rework the puzzle. Um, Because if there's somewhere where my interpretation of what you were saying was off, Mm. Lord, show me where. Show me where. Right? Let me encourage you. This is not the moment to, uh, in our own self-righteousness, just be like, nah, but I'm in this already. And so this may have not been the right thing, but it's the right thing now. Um, And we're just going to push forward uh, because in my own prideful self-exaltation and Mm -hmm. self-righteousness, there's no room for me to be wrong. 
There's no room for me to be off. There's no room for me to have to go back and consider because potentially of all of the ways that that is going to unravel the idea of who I am in the eyes and minds of other people based off of the way that I've been tracking, based off of the things that I've been sharing and how my life in real time has been put into the place that I am. For me to say I should not be here means that there is possibly going to be confrontation with people. Mm. Um, but because I'm unwilling to admit that I'm wrong, uh, right? This is a beautiful thing. Yeah. Um, some of you need encouragement here. Mm -hmm. You need room to be wrong. Yeah. <laughs> you need room to be wrong. Um, because when you're wrong, you're wrong. Yeah. Um, and the Lord beautifully circled back around. And as we began to lean into things, um, the Lord so graciously, there was a defining moment in a specific dream and the way we interpreted things. There was a defining moment where as we process things with the Holy Ghost and as we labored in prayer and trying to fast to hear God, there was a beautiful defining moment where he brought us back mm -hmm. to the instance where we shifted wrong. And can I say, like, why did he bring us back? Like, the Bible constantly is talking about, like, how honoring it is to the Lord when a man walks in humility. And I don't want to walk in circles in life because I'm unwilling to humble myself and to say, like, Lord, yeah. I got it wrong. And even when you look in Daniel chapter 2, verse 20, after it says that the mystery was revealed to Daniel, it says that Daniel blessed the God of heaven. I just want to read what he said real quick because I think it's beautiful because even God revealed it to him, but you see Daniel's humility even before going before the king. Mm. You see his humility in his prayer to say like, let the name of God be blessed forever and ever for wisdom and power belong to him. It is he who changes the times and the epochs. He removes kings and he establishes king establishes kings. He gives wisdom to wise men and knowledge to men of understanding. It is he who reveals the profound and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and the light dwells with him. To you, O God, my father, I give thanks. And then he again, and then goes and thanks him for revealing these things to him. So I think you really see Daniel's humility. Even when God did reveal something to him, he walked in a humble way before the Lord. And like it really frees us into a place to allow the Lord to navigate our lives and how we see and how we hear. It really builds the confidence because we know it's not us. Like it, it's never us. It's God's graciousness to partner with men and women who are here on the earth to allow them access into his voice because he wants his kingdom to be established. You know. And I think that brings us back to Job 33. Right. Um, then he opens the ears of men when they fall asleep when they slip into slumber, in dreams and visions of the night, then he opens the ears of men, mm -hmm. he seals their instruction. So he reveals things to them, but his desires become branded upon yeah. our lives. His instructions become branded upon our hearts, but it says that he may turn man aside from his, his conduct. conduct. Again, yeah. Job 33, 13 to 18, that he may turn man aside from his conduct, meaning like you're going this way, 
And so I'm going to speak to you in a dream. I'm going to brand my instructions mm -hmm. upon your heart because you're going to keep track in this way, but I'm going to bring you revelation through the night so that I can correct your conduct and bring you back into alignment with my desires. Right. Because we would never be living in days of fulfillment now if we wouldn't have at that moment, like you saying. But, and keep man from his pride. Mm -hmm. There's no room for arrogance when we're living in revelation. Yeah. There's no room for self-exaltation and boasting whenever we have aligned our lives with God's instructions yeah, through the things that are revealed in the secret place. Because we're not living necessarily according to our own wisdom, but it's wisdom from above that the Lord has beautifully branded upon our hearts yeah. as we've yielded to him and given him room in order to lead us through the variety of ways that he himself speaks and longs to bring instruction to us. Mm. Where is the room for man to boast when he has put all of his life into the voice of the Lord yeah. and the instructions that he is living by is not necessarily like, hey guys, I sat around for a little while, came up with a bunch of great ideas. I'm going to see how they work. And when they work out, for me, then everybody can just praise me. No, that's not the way that it works. When we're living in light of revelation, the instructions have come from above. The wisdom does not belong to us. And so all the praise, all the glory, all the honor, all the boasting, let him who boast, boast in the Lord. Yeah. All of it comes from him. As we live it out, it returns back to him and all the glory belongs to him. Yeah. So there's no room for arrogance. There's no room for prideful self-exaltation and this boasting in our own sense of accomplishment because, as he says in Job, I'll brand my instructions on your heart mm -hmm. to correct their conduct, but to keep man from being proud. And this is, this is another point. Um, at times, in our own pride, we can know what we see, but not want to yield to what is being revealed. Yeah, that's good. We can know what we're seeing, but because of the implications, absolutely, yeah. Because of the consequences of the content of what we know we are seeing. It's not that we're not seeing. It's not that revelation is not real. It's not that we're not in the secret place having encounters. Mm -hmm. We know wrapped up in the experience, there is real consequences. And the details of what we have discerned in our own pride at times, we can determine, no, nah, I don't want any part of that. Like you're gonna have to take that somewhere else. Like, because if what you're saying is what you're really saying, and if what you're saying means for me what it really means, nah, I'm good. I'll pass. Um, maybe you've never been there, but I, I see this example in Acts chapter 10, for instance. Peter's on the roof. He's waiting for lunch. It says he goes up on the roof and he is sleepy. He's tired. He gets groggy slips into a trance, and then looks into a vision. Slips into a trance, lips, or slips into a trance, and then looks into a vision. And what does he see? Acts 10 on the roof. It says he sees a giant sheet descending and all types of unclean animals. And the Lord tells him, get up and eat. And what does Peter say? No, nah, no way. But why? He says, I've never 
transgressed your laws or your ways. What is he saying? He's saying, I've never compromised in the place of my upright conduct. What is he saying? He's saying, no, I'm going to lean on my own perceived self-righteousness as a way to dismiss what it is that I know you're revealing. If I'm discerning what it is that you're actually saying, then I will use my own self-righteousness as an exemption in order to keep myself from having to commit to obeying what it is that I know you are saying. Oh, man. How many times? Yeah. Right? How many times? Is it like, man, Lord, I had this dream. Man, I slipped into this vision. Man, I saw this, felt this. And if the implications are what I think they are, nah, that's not for me. Right? That's not for me. Now, this gets broken down in two beautiful ways. Uh, right? It's those of us who interpret things to where potentially consequences never actually fall on us. Right? Like, like everything that we interpret has to do with the consequences falling on other people. Everything that we interpret and everything that we discern mm -hmm. always deals things in other people's direction where we're always right, where we're always in perfect alignment, where we're always the ones that are seeing things clearly. But even when we share those things with others, right, it's always others that are off. It's always others that are wrong. It's always others possibly that don't really know how to interpret well because there's no room in our own heart in order for us to potentially be off or wrong or not be seeing clearly or not be interpreting right. And there's never actually a space in the way that we discern for the consequences or the boundaries of the, implica of the implications to fall in a corrective way, our way. Um, that's just pure nonsense, right? <laughs> that is just pure nonsense. That is just, it's immaturity, it's self-righteousness. And Peter is seeing what he's seeing but he's leaning on his own perception yeah. of his self-righteousness. And he's like, no, nah, Lord, I've never violated. I've never compromised. And I'm not going to start now. Right, right. That seems so honorable. Um, but let's again, remember, it's God, the one that's speaking to him. Mm -hmm. Right. Like he's seeing this in a vision from the Lord. This isn't um, prophet Jimmy Bob, right? Like in a meeting who calls you out, or intersects with you in the mall somewhere and gives you this word that you just don't really like the way it sounds, uh, that you just don't really like the conclusions that it draws. You don't really bear witness. And it's not necessarily even all, that's a whole other conversation. You don't really bear witness with it because you don't believe that it's from God. You don't bear witness with it because you don't like the consequences that it implies. Hmm. You don't like the direction that it goes. You don't like where it would actually have to lead your life yeah. if you were to commit to obey the things that you believed God was actually saying. Yeah. That's a whole other conversation, right? But he's leaning on his own sense of being upright before the Lord. And he's like, no, nah, I can't do it. God comes a second time. No way, Jose. God comes a third time, right? This is all in the experience. He's wrestling with him. Look, look at it for yourself in Acts chapter 10. He's wrestling with him. One time, no. God comes again. Two times, nope. Still not going to do it. And the third time, the third time, Peter yields. Mm. Man, like, 
like the jealousy of the Lord, right? Like we have to see this. God doesn't want you to be off. He, He doesn't want you to be off. He doesn't want you to miss it. He doesn't want you to wander around in a fog, in a cloud, right? Even when we resist, even when there's points of contention on the inside of us, it wasn't like Peter wrestled and God was like, okay, I'm done with you, bro. I'm going to bring it on to somebody else. Peter wrestled and the Lord stayed faithful. He stayed long suffering. He stayed consistent. He stayed devoted to his man in the moment. And he brought it again. Now, Peter, I want you to reconsider this. Okay, reconsidered it. Still not going to do it. A third time. Man, like, right? You see this. It's a third time. Peter, do you love me? The first time. Peter, do you love me? The second time. Right? right? Like, we see the three times, right? Like, executed in a variety of ways in Peter's life. Uh, Some of us are just stubborn. (laughs) But God knows it. You know what I mean? Like, some of us are just stubborn. Like, yo, I'm just committed to doing what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Yo, I got my own way about myself. I like my style. I'm going to do me. And the Lord is like, I know you're going to do you, um, but I want you to do me. Uh, and so I'm going to stay consistent. And I know that you're going to reject it the first time. Don't get, it's okay though. I'm prepared. I'm ready for this. I'm coming a second time. Ah, it's all right. I know you're going to wrestle the second time. I'm coming a third time. And Peter eventually yields. Mm. right? Like the men come, the angel speaks to him. No, God has sent these guys, go with them, right? You see God's commitment to us getting it. You see the wrestling in the place of revelation, man, we need to be wrestling with revelation. Yeah. We need to be wrestling with revelation. Habakkuk says, I'm going to climb the watchtower. I'm going to settle in. I'm going to anchor deep. And I'm going to wait to see what he will say. And when God speaks to him, he tells him, write the vision, make it plain, make it simple so that others can run. Mm -hmm. Here's a beautiful truth. We need to wrestle with revelation until things become plain and simple so that we can run. And when needed, others can run. When you reveal things or let's say, loose things too early. Um, When you're still wrestling and you reveal things, when you're still wrestling and you're not releasing them from a place that is plain and simple and you're still wrestling, you produce more wrestling, Mm. not more running. Mm. Because simplicity is what activates running. Um, Not always just communication, right? Write these things down, but make them simple and plain. So when things are plain and simple and the wrestling on the inside of you has come to a cease, you will not multiply wrestling. You will actually activate running. Um, It's very important that we spend the needed time and seasons wrestling with revelation. It's called the secret place for Mm -hmm. a reason. Some things are supposed to remain secrets for time 
so that we have time. Again, I praise you, O Lord, Daniel 10, because it's you that changes times and seasons. You control, you govern times and seasons. And sometimes we don't spend the necessary time in our season wrestling with revelation. And because we just have this itch to always release things, because we live in a culture of entertainment, uh, and because we always have this itch to release things, Um, we end up multiplying wrestling rather than Mm. activating running or Um, even in our own lives or creating. Like I even think of the times that Mary received again, like the angel visiting her and then the words like pertaining to Jesus, like the son of God. It says that Mary pondered these things in her heart Yes, because I think Mary realized that there was purpose and destiny attached to it, that if she would have released it, the enemy would have come quick. Obviously God's plans will always prevail, but I just think the maturity of Mary, the mother of Jesus, to be able to come into a moment to ponder the things in our heart and not release them because of what God was doing was so important to God's purposes and destiny being fulfilled on the earth. Right. And you see that even executed in Joseph's life. Mm -hmm. Genesis 37, he's having these crazy dreams, but he begins to share them. And right, wrong, indifferent. His process, what was his process? But he shares them and everybody that he shares them with. Now, again, we we don't have the, the nature of how he shares them, but it's almost from this young And when I say young, I mean, he was young, actually numerically, but from this youthful, like prideful zeal, (laughs) I'm having dreams and God is showing me that all of you are going to bow down to me one day. Get some, I'm the man. Now, obviously that's the MLT. That's my living translation or Michael's living translation. Um, But, but the implication is there in the way that the story is unfolding. They hated him. Mm-hmm. Like, man, who do you think you are? And it says that they not only rejected him, but they tried to assassinate him. But you find that God uses even his immaturity, yes. even his zeal, even the pride in his experiences mm-hmm. that he is disclosing to people around him. Again, to come back to the point that you made in the beginning, uh, sometimes you just got to be careful who you share stuff with. Right. And he shared it with his brothers. Now, again, these are his brothers, not like, oh, I love you, brother, but like his brothers, like real family. <laughs> like these are his brothers, like blood brothers born in the same house, grew up together. And he shares it with his family and they try to assassinate him. And he ends up in the pit. He ends up at Potiphar's house. He ends up in the prison. And, and this, is, this is almost to the point. Um, in Genesis 40, he ends up with the cupbearer and the baker. Mm-hmm. And they're all in prison together. And the cupbearer and the baker start having dreams, right? Because in the beginning, you see Joseph having dreams and he has the ability to interpret them. I mean, clearly his father looks at him and he's like, bro, like, what do you think is going on here? Like, you think everybody's going to bow down to you, including me and your mom? Like, have you lost your mind? I'd be like, like if one of my sons would be like, man, you better get out of my face. Go clean your room or something. <laughs> <laughs> but you find Joseph in prison. 
and the cupbearer and the baker are having dreams in Genesis 40. And it says that Joseph, uh, let, let's turn there as a matter of fact. It says that Joseph tries to make a deal with them. <laughs> um, and the deal that he makes, he says to them, the cupbearer and the baker who were confined in jail, both had a dream the same night. Genesis 40 verse 5. The same night, and each man with his own dream, and each dream with its own interpretation. Two separate people, they're all in the same space. Two different people have two different dreams, and there's two different interpretations. When Joseph came to them in the morning and observed them, behold, they were dejected. Why? Because they were having these experiences, but they had no explanations. Mm -hmm. They didn't have interpretations. They didn't know what it meant. They knew that they were rocked. They were shook. They had been impacted because of what was happening to them through the night. Um, and Joseph saw on them that they were dejected. He asked Pharaoh's officials who were with him in confinement in his master's house, why are your faces so sad today? And they told him, we have had a dream and there is no one to interpret. But then Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God? Tell them to me. Tell them to me. Like you guys tell me the dreams. And so they shared the dreams. But this is what happens. Then Joseph and answered the dreams. When you get all the way down, he shared the interpretations. Thus, it came about on the third day, this is verse 20, which was Pharaoh's birthday, that he made a feast for all the servants and he lifted up the head of the chief cupbearer and the head um, of the chief baker among his servants and he restored them. But Joseph had interpreted them and they forgot about Joseph. Because when Joseph interpreted their dreams, he asked them, Hey, listen, guys, I did you a favor. Do me a favor. Get me out of here whenever you have the opportunity. Right? Get me out of here whenever you have the opportunity. Um, so Joseph is interpreting dreams and trying to use that ability in order to better his situation. I, I think this is a little bit larger yeah, of a situation. Say, you don't even have time to go into that one. Um, th this is a little bit larger of a situation than I think uh, we may be willing to wrestle with <laughs> in this moment right here. Uh, for time's sake alone, um, I, I do believe the comment section would get pretty interesting uh, if we did. Um, but Joseph is trying to utilize mm -hmm. a legitimate gift yes. that is on his life yep. in order to better his situation. Hey guys, I'll interpret your dreams, but when Pharaoh calls you out of here, remember me and get me out of here. I really want to be out of prison. I don't like where it is that I am, but I know that I've got this gift. And if I can use it in order to get out of here, if I can use it in order to better my position, if I can use it in order to create a breakthrough moment, if I can use it in order to bring a divine shift, <laughs> if I can use it, right? Like a lot of the language, it, it sounds so good. But Joseph is attempting to use an ability that he knows that he has in order to better his situation. And what happens? It says they forgot about him. And he ends up sitting in prison two more years. Um, do I think that they actually forgot about him? Um, yeah, I feel like the Lord impacted 
their memory because Joseph needed more time to sit. <laughs> right. And we can do it with dreams too. We can take dreams that the Lord has legitimately given us and impose them on others because of what we've seen in order to get ourselves in a position that we have foreseen God doing instead of just allowing God to do it. Not just using gifts, but using dreams, the gift of dreams, the gift of interpretation, any gift, um, we can use it to impose it on someone else and the Lord has us sit until we learn. Yeah, I think the safe way to say it would be um, Jesus always has to be the shepherd. Mm -hmm. Always. Uh, and what do I mean by that? Yeah, like Anna is us. saying, yeah. um, we always have to lead people back to Jesus. Mm -hmm. um, so rather than allowing whatever degree of influence on my life, I'm talking about relationally, whatever degree of influence may be on my life in the place of encounter to make sure that we are sharing things that are always leading people back to the Lord himself and giving them room with Jesus in order for him to remain the shepherd. Um, that is very important, especially as we process what to share, how to share, uh, not feeling like we're manipulatively pinning people in corners based off of our influence and our history and the way that our voice and our, you know, uh, life of encounter may be valued, not pinning people down to where if they don't do things the way that we've revealed they need to do things, then they're going to be, you know, like radically sinning against the Lord, even if those things are true, Right? Like, even if those things are true, there still has to be wisdom mm -hmm. in real time and an application of that wisdom to navigate those circumstances to always make sure that we are not circumventing mm -hmm. our lives right. in the connection of Jesus being the shepherd where right. we now have installed our life as what is leading someone rather than the beautiful place of always making sure that we're leading people back to the Lord. Yeah. Um, I heard it said best um, by a man of God that I deeply honor. Uh, it takes a real secure leader to lead people away from themselves and directly to Jesus. Um, away from ourselves where I'm not the main attraction. I'm no longer the main point. Jesus is. And we say those things, but then we install ourselves somewhere in the process uh, because we live in a day and in an age, like in a moment in culture where success in, in ministry matters has been uh, defined, whether we directly say this and articulate it or whether it's implied just by the lack of articulation and the way that we set things up. Um, ministry has been defined by dependency. Right, And the more that I can make people feel like they need me, um, that becomes success. Uh, but it's important to always lead people mm. back to Jesus yeah. and yeah. to give people room in their own lives to be stewarded um, in time with him uh, and for him to be the shepherd. Yeah. Uh, and I think, obviously, I know that we could... We could go on and on and on. Uh, I mean, because these things are so real for us, mm -hmm. right? And it's actually yeah. like what we've committed our life to. We've committed our life to the voice of the Lord. Yeah. And it's not just us. Like Mike shared, was it last week or the week prior? 
about just even our son waking up from a dream and, mm. you know, fasting for seven days. He's eight. Um, it's it's all of us. Like we recognize the voice of the Lord. Yeah, so that, that's beautiful. My eight-year-old, God comes to him in a dream, asks him to Daniel fast for seven days. Um, he's like, Dad, God said it was important. I'm going to do it. Uh, our 10-year-old is a dreamer like mom. She's having dreams of Leviathan. Like, like, like he's a dreamer like mom. <laughs> now, we're all dreamers. Again, like, I mean, I, yeah. I have dreams too. Uh, not as frequent as Anna does. Again, she could lay her head back right now for like 10 minutes or so. And when she popped back up, I promise you, it'd be like, babe, guess what? You'll never guess. I had this crazy dream. Um, it's true. Uh, yes. Uh, my 10-year-old is a dreamer, like mom, has all these crazy dreams, has dream journals, um, has been journaling for a couple of years, um, things that she sees, the ways you know that God speaks to her, on and on and on. So that's to destroy like all the limitations, mm -hmm. right? It's not to be like, oh, look at his kids. Oh, wow, they're so amazing. Not, not at all. Um, it's from an early age, though, we have mm -hmm. attempted to cultivate something uh, in a very intentional way, Yeah. Um, in a very intentional way. Um, and it, it possibly has taken years, but we are reaping the reward. Like there is the bearing of fruit in season um, as God desires, as he is now leading them mm -hmm. uh, in a very beautiful way. Uh, but all of that to say, like we're, we're committed to the voice of the Lord, mm -hmm. um, our whole family seeking to live that way. Um, seeking to allow the harness of his voice. Again, Job 33, brand my heart with your instructions. I don't want to get out of bounds. Correct my conduct when necessary. Mm -hmm. Matthew 1, even if you have to speak to me in a dream so that I don't disrupt everything that you're doing, I want to be open to all of the ways that you may come to me and that you may communicate, even in moments like Acts 10, when my own self-righteousness and leaning on my own history may bring me to a moment where I'm unwilling to consider the consequences of possibly what it is that you are speaking. Lord, have grace with me. Continue to wrestle with yeah, me. Lord. Bring it back again and again and again because it's not in my heart that I want to be off, but in moments when I may be wrong, lovingly correct me and in your tender mercy and in your kindness, continue to reveal to me your desires because I want to synchronize my life. I want to live yeah. in harmony. I want to be bound under the tension of your harness and obedience because those that love you are the ones that obey you and God I want to obey you so please Lord continue to speak to me um, and we find that mm -hmm. all through the scriptures but beautifully in Daniel's life yeah. God continued to speak to him yeah. because mm -hmm. Daniel continued to seek for understanding hmm. um, I had all kinds of crazy stuff going on but I sought to understood it you, you, you can't, nobody can give you that. You may have people around you that are jealous for understanding for you, but mm. nobody can give you the desire for yourself. Yeah. Uh, and this is what Daniel had. Mm -hmm. He had desire. I sought to understand it. I went looking for it. I began to pursue it. Um, I decided I didn't want to live without it. That that's the difference maker. I decided that I didn't want to live without it. Yeah, amen. Um, Lord, I don't want to go another week. I don't want to go another month. 
I don't want to five years from now come back to things and be like, man, what if and how and if I would have. No, 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 Lord, I don't want to live another day without it. You got to do something in me to where I, like Daniel, begin to seek and search and knock and ask. Give me a relentless pursuit in the place of looking for understanding. God, I need insight. Help me by your spirit. Work with me. Give me time, Lord. Uh, and I believe that, that God is faithful. Amen. And so this is what we'll do. Um, we'll pray for you. Yeah. We'll pray. Um, babe, maybe if you want to pray, I can pray. Uh, then we'll, we can hop off. Yeah. Yeah, Lord, we thank you um, for the simplicity of your voice and the way you lead and you guide and you long to direct and shepherd each of our hearts. Um, And Lord, I just even pray over myself, over everyone that is listening, those that would even hear this, God, that you would make us attentive to your voice, Lord, in whatever way that we would honor the place in which you long to speak, Lord, whether it be signs, whether it be visions, whether it be dreams, Lord, whether it be through your word, Lord, it be worship, Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you're just longing to be with your children and to speak to us. And so God, I pray that you would capture our attention in whatever way it is. And Lord, pertaining to dreams and visions, Lord, the mysteries of the night, God, I pray that you would help us to be great stewards um, because of what you are doing in these days. Lord, you want us to be great stewards, not just over our own lives, but Lord, in the lives of those that, that we would carry the message of salvation, Lord, that you would awaken us and send us, Lord, by dreams to others that need you, Lord. And I just, I thank you that even now that you would quicken our hearts, Lord, that we would appreciate, Lord, every aspect of who you are. Lord, in the ways that your word reveals the truth and the way you long to speak to your servants of righteousness, those that bend their hearts in humility towards you, Lord, you're longing um, to direct us. And so, Lord, we submit and we yield ourselves to the revealing of your spirit in whatever way that it comes. And so we thank you that we're living in days of increase. Lord, where prophecy will increase, where visions will increase, where it won't be unto just one man, but Lord, it will be unto the men and the women, the children, the grandfathers, the grandmothers. Lord, it will be unto us all. Lord, may we get a glimpse that you are wanting to impart it to us all. And so, Lord, I thank you for even this simple conversation that it would unlock and awaken something inside of each of us to steward well the place of your voice. We love you, Jesus, and we honor you. Yeah, Lord, and I pray that in the season that we find ourselves, we need your voice. Mm -hmm. Um, We need your voice. Like Daniel, the times are turbulent. There seems to be all types of hostility abounding on every side. Every decision matters Mm. and we need your voice. Yeah. And I pray Lord, even like the verses that we've gone through and the different examples um, throughout the history of the age, what we find reflected old Testament, new Testament, and even beyond even current examples from our own heart and life. I pray that if nothing else, you would provoke your people 
to begin to be attentive. Yeah. Where we would no longer just cast aside, where we would no longer just simply offload, where we would no longer turn away or just completely discredit your loving kindness, your intentions revealed to us through the night. Um, Lord, but I pray that you would provoke your people to begin to create a space in their own heart and life for you to begin to lead a space in their own heart and life for you to have your voice awakened on the inside of them as you reveal beautiful mysteries and secrets to them through the night season. Lord, brand your instructions upon the hearts of your people. Lord, may we go looking for it. May we desire it. May we make the determination. I resolve from this day forward. I will not go another day without it. Um, Lord, I pray, bring teachers, bring friends, bring people around that can assist, that can help carry, that can contend alongside, that can be there to nurture what it is that you may be desiring to see flourish on the inside of the lives of your people, Lord. Jesus. And like David says, we give you praise. Mm. Um, we give you praise because, Lord, you speak to us. Yeah. You bring us instruction in the night. Yeah. You reveal your secrets and your mysteries in the night season. Thank you for branding our hearts, Lord, with your voice. We want to be committed to it. Thank you for completely breaking into our lives and turning things upside down in a revelatory way, in the most amazing way possible. Lord, I pray for a fresh wind to begin to blow in the secret place. Breathe upon your people in the night season. Wisdom, understanding, insight, learning. Lord, release interpretations to things that have seemed mysterious that have seemed parabolic, things that have been locked up in riddles, um, I pray, Lord, Mm -hmm. in a moment, you can reveal insight to things that for moments or decades have seemed to be mysterious. Lord, breathe upon your people. Breathe upon your people. And I thank you for it, Lord. I thank you for it, Lord. Yeah, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the podcast today. We pray that it has fanned into flame the love that you have for him. If you would like more information about Burning Ones, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel, follow us on social media, visit our website, burningones.org, or download our app.